Hey everybody, it's Rob Lullisher. Welcome to the Top Cheddar Podcast. Uh, Cam Moon is in the house. How you doing, Mooner? Doing very well. Excited to be here, as always. As always, my friend. As always. And uh, my my face might be kind of permanently big grin laugh from laughing so hard about yes. our, our interview that I know everyone's going to enjoy. Uh, anyone in the hockey world, you know, media, our, our old dear friend, Jamie McLennan. Noodles was our guest today. It, and we only we only scratched the surface. Oh, you know, when you talk with Jamie, you can just yep. go and go and go. He's got so many great exactly. stories. He's so fun to if, talk to. If if a five hour podcast would have been permissible, uh, uh, we, yeah. we could have kept going. But uh, you know, he's a busy guy. He's he's doing so many different shows with TSN and and TV and radio. Yeah, uh, we were fortunate to to scoop him for an hour with within his schedule, but. Uh, Oh man, some of the stories that Billy Smith story. I I had tears rolling down my eyes. I love it. Billy Smith story. Folks, you're gonna love, love that one. And uh yeah, his time in junior that uh folks, if you want to hear about my greatest shift, one shift ever in the right. history of my hockey career. It was against Jamie. So, uh, because I'm a total a hole, I had to bring it up because come on, guys, <laughs> I, I only had one really good shift. But uh, we chat about that. Uh, so, I, I'm pretty confident everyone's going to have, have a good good laugh and, and enjoy the stories that that uh, that we got coming up. But a good opportunity, a eh, moaner to, to remind yeah. people uh, if they haven't yet, like if this is their first time joining us just some of the other great guests we've had on before. What, what are a couple that stand out for you? Uh, the one with, well, a couple, actually a lot, but oh, to mention like, a hey, few. It's hard yes. to pick just a few, but uh, um, what jumps to mind? When we sat down with Bill Ranford and, and we got Bill to tell stories of uh, his time, his time in junior with the new Westminster Bruins in the Western Hockey League, his time with the, the Edmonton Oilers and a, a couple of Stanley Cup championships. I mean, those are pretty exciting and, and great stories. And when we talked with Brent Sutter and talked about, you know, his time in junior and then playing with the Islanders and Stanley Cups with the Islanders and his coaching career. And there was a yeah. lot of really good stories in there. So I, I those are, are two that jumped to mind. It's fun how it intertwines, right? Like, you know, Jamie talking about his time with the Islanders and the the, the hate with the Ranger fans and, you know, Sutter had an amazing story for yeah. us on that. And um, I think we have a couple of reasons, another, another good St. Albert boy, just like Jamie, Rob Brown joined us a while back and, and some of his stories that uh, um, yeah, an, another, we probably could have gone three, four oh, hours with Brownie just listening easily. to that. And uh, yeah, one recently, Tom, Tom Rennie, you know, CEO yeah. of uh, Hockey Canada, he shared some great ones. So folks, if you haven't yet, head to topchatter.ca. There, there's so many great stories on there. Hope hope you enjoy them. If you got some ideas, like, hey, shoot us a note. Like, we're open to, to suggestions. And, uh, okay, Mooner, Jamie McLennan, Noodles is in the house. Take Let's us away. Let's do this. Let's do it. Jamie, that first year in the Western Hockey League for you, it was, uh, it was eventful. You started in Spokane. You got traded to Lethbridge. I mean, at the end of the day, that worked out extremely well for you. But tell me about the start. When you first went to Spokane, you were making the jump from the Alberta Midget Hockey League, uh, playing in St. Albert. What was it like? Uh, very eye-opening on so many levels. As you guys know, you go off to junior, you just you get to feel like 
the world changes. You're living with a strange family. And believe yeah. me, my family was strange in Saint Lu- in, uh, in Spokane. They were a little different. There was five of us that lived at the house. Five players. Oh, oh, five players. They had five fridges and two freezers full of full of food. And <laughs> and like it was uh, husband and wife and their son who lived there. And then the five of us. It was it was so crazy. Um, Spokane was a, an eye opener, you know, coming from St. Albert and and then the team, you know, I get thrown into this uh, situation. We had a pretty good team. Our general manager, as you guys will remember, Bob Strum. Yep. And, and Strummer was uh, intense, to say the least. Not a big guy, but like, <laughs> you want to talk about scary. Like, the aura around him, he would snap. I'll never forget my first ever game. We played Kamloops, and Kamloops rinsed us in, in Spokane. And our dressing room was on kind of the second level and Kamloops was below us and you could hear them hooting and hollering after the game and Strummer came in and I've never seen a a man react like this. He, my stick was beside my stall. He grabbed my stick and he was breaking it over Travis Green's stall and the Gatorade jug was everywhere and I'm big. I was just horrified. And I wasn't very good that night. I think we lost like six, four. And I did everything I can to make sure that that team lost that night. Like <laughs> yeah, I was playing dodgeball in that. I was terrible. And we also had to, I believe, keep our gear on and run the stairs afterwards. So it was such an eye opener on so many levels. Uh, uh, welcome to, to the dub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to the dub. As you guys know, there's, I mean, this is 30 years ago. Life's changed. Right. Yeah. But uh, it was, it was cool on a lot of different fronts. Cause I made a couple lifelong friends. I mentioned Travis green. I'm still very close with him. Ray Whitney was there. Yeah. Uh, Patty Falloon, Steve Junker, um, you know, some pretty good players that ended up, you know, three years later winning the uh, Memorial cup. But that was part of my journey to starting it off there and then getting traded to Lethbridge halfway through the season. But it was, uh, I, I, I loved it, but I look back on it and I never been more scared in my life <laughs> because I just, everything was so new. And you know, every, when you're Tell not. Tell us about James uh, high school. Didn't you have to go to high school there? And wasn't that a bit of a, a crazy it, it eye was. opener? Yeah, because it was like the, in the States, the football players and the cheerleaders all day, you know, it's like that, the, the all American boys and the, the all American women and that. And then there's these idiot hockey players that show up and, you know, the cheerleaders are starting to like us. So the football players hate us. And then, you know, we had a tough guy named Dean Ewan and apparently he had, he set, the tone. Yeah, yeah. He had set the tone the year before where one of the football players thought he'd get out of line. And apparently he went nuts and like tuned them up in front of everyone. And so it was like Ray Whitney's five feet tall. And we're like, everyone's, everyone's afraid of us. Like we're walking around the school, like, well, these guys are the hockey players. Don't go near them. So it was kind of neat. But again, it was, uh, you know, it was the school spirit. You know, you would like everyone to the gymnasium. We're having a pep rally. And I'd be like, okay, that's time for me to go to lunch. Like if we were, you know, Paul Kane, if you had a pep rally, everyone would head for the doors. You know? yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to walk out the door and the principal's like, you got to go to the gym and cheer on the team. I'm like, I'm going home for lunch. Like yeah. it was just such a weird dynamic, but uh, I, I loved it. And there was some, you know, animosity between the football players and the hockey players. But for the most part, again, it was, uh, uh, it was a new experience for me. 
That's awesome. Wait. Hey, Mooner, trivia question. Year before. Yeah. Alberta midget AAA goalie oh, of the year. Who do you think that was? Oh, it was Jamie McLennan. And do you I know who to. beat, you know, who knocked out St. Uh, St. Albert the year before that? The Maple Leaf Athletic Club no, in 86, garbage. 87. That's because no, Jamie that was, and I were not there. That's was, that Terry, Terry, was that Terry Bendura? Was he <laughs> yes, on that yes, team? <laughs> yes, he was. Terry Bendura. That, remember that mute? He, was, he had a head like a mascot. He was like, he was so big. Like, yeah, he's I, he's going to come find both you guys. I hope you know that. This is I out there now. Terry Bendura. Yeah, me too. I do love Terry Tri- Bendura. Trivia question number two. Yes. Alberta Midget AAA Defenseman of the Year. Wow. Any guesses? Trevor Ketza? Akfeuye. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Lullisher, best season of my life. Downhill, nothing oh. but downhill from there. Me and well, you, I Jay. Just know we, that. we excelled that yeah. year. You just we kept did. excelling. I, I, I put pumped the brakes. Oh, you just you had different. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I know this. Put it this way. I knew in this hour that we were going to be speaking that Lolly's accolades were going to come into it. And also we haven't got be a, to the best one yet. Yeah. Yes. The, the shift, the shift <laughs> in Saskatoon is coming up too. Well, we'll get there, David. It, Don't it be a spoiler, man. Drafted. Yeah, exactly. We'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I did enjoy my time playing with Lolly. I always felt protected. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? Right. I, I can jump on board with that. Yeah. No one absolutely. can see past my, uh, my behind. Okay, I'll shut up. Mooner. Okay. Oh, all right, all right. Okay, so you go to Lethbridge, Jamie. It, it, and that trade, was Kevin St. Jacques in that deal with you? Yes. The The funniest part about that trade is we got traded for a goaltender named Jeff Ferguson. Yep. And Fergie went over and um, helped stabilize the goaltending in, in Spokane. I was a young guy getting traded. I played with Dusty Emu. Mm-hmm. The, the funny thing about the actual trade is as I was pulling into the parking lot that day, our general manager was pulling out Bob Strum and he was like waving like, and I was like, Hey, what's up? And I get in there and Gary Braun, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. I remember Gary Braun. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we traded you to Lethbridge and Jonko came running out of the dressing room and he's crying. He's like, we got traded. We're gone. We're gone. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. Like I'm, I've never been traded before in my life. And so uh, the, I guess the, the best part about it is, I'm not sure if you guys knew this, but like I moved away from St. Albert for one year of my life when my dad's company helped build the hospital in Lethbridge. And so I had lived in Lethbridge and become friends with Joel and Mike Dick. And uh, so when I landed in Lethbridge off the plane, I was wondering, I'm like, where am I going to live? Where are all that? And they, the hurricanes picked me up and said, well, we're taking you to you know, Bill and Sharon Dick's house, you're, they're going to be your billets. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going wow. home. Like it was That's awesome. So it's like, so it just, it ended up being the right fit, even though it was a crazy situation. Cause you know, you're, you get traded, you're 17. You're wondering if you could ever play in that league. Like I, I, I was overwhelmed. And then it ended up working out that I was pretty comfortable in Lethbridge from the, the minute I got there. Well, we better bring up the shift. Like the shift. Yeah. Let's talk oh, about yeah. the shift, Lolly. Let's get I, that. I, Let's get there, it out of the way. Scout, there have been scouts that told me that they passed on me 
because they were in Saskatoon one night <laughs> and one I night. melted in the, I melted in the net. <laughs> well, you <laughs> guys, you guys won Bob the game Lowe's at least that night. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't matter. I had a huge fight. Bob Lokes came in and you know, Lokesy oh, had the giant I glasses. I remember the game. I remember this game. See, okay. Well, you guys tell your version. Cause I'm going to tell you what happened after the game. Okay. okay. So okay. Lolly, you got the floor, please. I, I think like you you guys were just wiping wiping your butts with us. It was like eight to one. Like we're getting shellacked. Third period. I scored the goal. I can't even remember how it, but I scored. I know I scored the first goal. And yeah. and we line up, face off, puck immediately back to me, right up to the wing. We go down, we score a second goal. Oh, right on. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Go back, line up for the, the second time. Right back to me again, straight back up, down we go. We scored the third goal. <laughs> Three goals in in I think what like 53, something like that. Oh second. yeah, it was it was tight. Goal and yeah. two assists that to this yeah. day, to that day, the greatest shift I, I ever had. And uh I never shut the hell up about it with Jamie. He knows it. He's tired of hearing that story. And uh let's hear your version, Jamie, after the fact. I think we ended up holding on like Oh, barely yeah. and winning like eight seven something crazy like like you guys were coming and and i just i melted in the net and i couldn't hold it together so after the game because we played that was like a friday night the next night we played in pa so it was back to back so after the game Luxy comes in and he his face is beat red and he's got <laughs> little brutus big, yeah. yeah little brutus he's got these big thick glasses and he's like you fucking need these. You need these. Like he's like, you want these glasses? You need glasses? And I'm like, not as thick as yours. And we start arguing. And West Walls and all these guys get up and like him. I'm yelling at him. He's yelling at me. And I'm like, you don't want me to play? I'll play. And like and and we had this huge huge argument. And he like stormed out of the room. And I was so rattled. Like I I, I think I I don't know if I was crying, but I was like furious. And we got on the bus. And then we got to PA that night. And I think I'm trying to remember if Rich Wiest was our assistant coach or something, but I get to my hotel door and he comes, he's like, Luxy wants to see you. So I'm like, Oh God, I'm in trouble. I yelled at the coach and we got in this yeah. big argument. And so I go into the room and he's like, you're playing tomorrow. He's like, I need you to play. He's like, don't worry about tonight. He goes, tonight's over. I need you to worry about tomorrow. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah. He goes, are you mad at me? And I go, yeah, I'm mad at you. He goes, good. I'm mad at you. Why'd you let in all those goals? So we were like, <laughs> it, damn fact, lolly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. After the fact, everything had calmed down. Yeah. And he was like, I, he goes, Jamie, I left you in there because I wanted you to fight. He goes, I know you're a fighter. I said, well, if you have such a problem with my game, pull me. And he goes, no, that's not the way I work. He goes, I know that you're a battler. I want you to stay. That's why you're playing tomorrow night. And I don't know what I did the next night. Like we had a pretty good team. So I'm sure we, we, yeah. we did okay, but I'll never forget him coming in. And that was my comeback. He's like, you need glasses. I'm like, not as thick as yours. And, and, it, and like, he came at me and it, it was so funny. Like, it's amazing how you remember like things. Like I remember, obviously Lolly, we have fun with the shift and yeah. you get a bunch of points. I remember it from a different view because I was so rattled because I couldn't stop the bleeding. Like Mooner, you know, when you're having a night yeah. where it's like, you can't, you can't make that next save and you're just, it's piling on and piling. It's like waves hitting you in the face. And, uh, 
anyways, it was like, it's funny to, to relive that moment because I haven't relived that side of it for a long time. <laughs> I can I remember, James. Oh, sorry, Mooner. I was going to say with the St. Jacques just back in Saskatoon. I think it was a delayed offside year in net and and it was my touch which i decided to take as a slap shot that yeah. that got the offside but i almost took your head off like you 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 know the big duck and <laughs> and saint jocks grabs onto me what the hell are you doing lolly and my reply was just simply like i know where it's going like <laughs> <laughs> i love that stuff oh yeah i well you talk about when you can't stop the bleeding i remember taking an 8-1 loss off the chin in lethbridge one night and your guys were flying around all over the place back when you had six guys with 100 points oh, uh that would have been 89-90 yeah, yeah quite a squad yeah. that was quite yeah. a squad uh you get drafted by the islanders in 91 uh, yeah. Tell me about drafting. Were you there? Was it over? Like, did you get a phone call? How did it go down? No, it was in Buffalo and it was the Lindros draft. So that year um, I was up for, I'd won the Dell Wilson. I think it was like the, uh, the top goalie in the WHL. Yeah. So I went to the Memorial cup as an award winner to go against the other goalies, the Quebec and the Ontario league. So at the Memorial cup, it was in Quebec and um, Eric Lindros was there because he was going to win CHL Player of the Year. And that was, I mean, Quebec had the first pick. There were so many rumors that Lindros wasn't going to go and he didn't want to go there in that. So we're in Coliseum in Quebec and um, he had like a luxury box. And him and I were the only award winners that weren't playing in the tournament. So we were just kind of sitting there watching and hung out the whole weekend. So I became pretty good buddies with him. Like we, we just hung out the whole weekend. Yeah. So fast forward to the draft. It was in Buffalo. Uh, my agent was Art Breeze. I don't know if you guys had Art. Oh. We all had Art. <laughs> I remember Art. Yeah. If he had a team, you'd be on it. And he had 600 <laughs> players. Yeah. So it was the biggest team you've ever seen. But so I had, because I think I was 19, I had all the rounds to be drafted back then. It was 12 rounds. So we knew I was ranked, I think, second goaltender to go behind Mike Torchia uh, yep. from Kitchener, big torch. And so we kind of felt I was going to go in the first three rounds. So he's like, let's go. So I pack up. It was my family and my girlfriend at the time. We went to Buffalo. And coincidentally, if you actually watch the Lindros first pick getting drafted, I, our family's oh. right beside them. He wanted me to sit with him. So we were like sitting right beside. Nice. So it's uh, me with a mullet. My girlfriend at the time has this giant hat. My brother, I don't think, took a sober breath the whole time. He went missing in <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> he went missing for like two days. He, he was like in Niagara Falls. We found him like it was like that. my brother, Dave. It was so funny. Like, oh, awesome. um, But our whole family was there. It was a great feeling. I, the, I'll tell you a quick story. So. I had interviewed with so many teams, I think like 10 or 12 teams who went through the process and the range had been like, Hey, Chicago may take you late the first round to like, you know, I knew the Islanders like me, but like Detroit, I had interviewed, I had interviewed with Detroit four different times. I was like, you know, I'd gone through their levels of scouting and then right up to their manager and stuff. So you're, you're kind of sitting there going, you know, where's this going to fall? So I'll never forget. First round goes by. Second round, I'm sitting there, and Art Breeze, there were six of us that Art brought to the draft. 
and I'm sitting with my defenseman, Jamie Pusher. Mm. And so uh, it comes around Detroit Red Wings uh, select from Lethbridge of the Western Hockey League. My agent's like grabbing my arm. Uh, Jamie, I go to stand up. He goes, they go pusher. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> quick set, quick Dive the hand out to shake and hug him. And because my agent was sure, like he, I had interviewed with them so many times. I was like, maybe Detroit was going to be the mix. And turns out push went there, wins the Stanley cup there. They took Aussie after me in the third round. I went to the Islanders, yep. um, 48th overall Aussie went. Now Aussie was a better goaltender than me. But he always wonder, like, if I would have made that pick, like, maybe yeah. I could have hung in there. And, and Interesting. but, you know, it's just funny because, you know, I, I love Ozzy. I always have this argument, and this is a side story, that I think Ozzy will make the Hall of Fame one day when people look at the stats. They don't look at the teams he didn't play with. But if you look at his wins, his Stanley Cup, oh. like, it, his stats are crazy. And I almost think he may get the Rogi Vashon treatment, where it's like 20 years later, you look back and go, why isn't that guy in the Hall of Fame? Like, look at look at what he did, his body of work. So, um, shout out to Ozzy. It was, yeah, it was, was his Tigers backup that one year, Jamie. That uh, that really yeah, set yeah. him on the right pace. Hey, Mooner. Yeah, the the crash. I had the Crash Davis role that year. <laughs> yeah, Davis. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, good times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That first year pro for you, Jamie. You got to play a lot, like between the American League and, and the ECHL. Got in a lot of games as a 20-year-old. That must have helped a ton in your development. It, it did because that was their whole thing. They made me sign uh, a three-way contract, and the money was the same on in the ECHL. But the argument was you're going to be the fifth goalie in the system, and we need you. They, uh, Mark Fitzpatrick had that uh, blood disorder. Yeah. So they had three, three at the NHL level. And it was myself and Danny Lorenz in the minors. And they said, if Fitzy needs to come up and down, you're going to go to the East Coast League and we need you to play a lot. Billy Smith was like, you're, we need you to play 50 games this year. He's like, you are, and we're going to figure it out, whether it's in Richmond or in the AHL. And I lived in a hotel the whole year because they got me to Richmond. They, you know, I was, they would send me down where there was a series of games. It was like five games in seven nights, go to Richmond and play and play all of them. And my, my first ever game in the East coast league, it's one of those moments where you're like, where the hell am I? Because we're playing in Roanoke, Virginia, and it's the national anthem and I'm starting and, you know, you're, you're halfway out of your net and both teams are on the, the blue lines and there's a mutant on the other <laughs> blue line named Frank by Lois and the anthem's going on and he's banging his head off his helmet. And I'm like, who the hell is that? And, and you're, you're sitting there going like, it's one of those surreal moments going like, I, like I might as well be on the moon. Yeah. The, NH, the NHL is the, so far away. They're like, there's no chance we're going to play in the NHL. I'm in Roanoke, Virginia, and there's a lunatic that's going to skate on the same ice as us. <laughs> like Steve and, Goalies for lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was, it was kind of funny to see, you know, that progression. And I, I'll be honest, as you guys know, the East Coast League became such a great developmental league, especially for goalies to go down and get shots of that. And um, they used that as a tool even today to get guys ice time to, and the league has shifted from slap yeah. shot to, 
you know, some real good players there, but yeah, they, they told me right at the start of the year, you're going to play a ton and just, you know, roll with it. And I, nice. and I pretty much had to yeah. noodles. Give us, give us a Billy Smith story. Yes. Uh, you know, Smitty was the, the, the quick one was I got, I was in Richmond one night and I get a phone call at like three o'clock in the morning. My phone's ringing and it's my coach, Dave Allison. He's like, you're, you got called up. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to the AHL. He's like, no, you're going to the NHL. You're backing up tomorrow at home on the Island. Cause, um, the team is in St. John's Newfoundland that we can't get an AHL goalie in on time. So you, we're just going to fly you in. So I, I go sleep that night. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm backing up in the NHL tomorrow. I go to get on the flight from Richmond to Washington to the Island. And as the plane that is taking that's going to take me to New York as it's landing, it hits a flock of birds and the engine like, oh. so I'm like stuck there the whole day because my flights delayed flights delayed. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make this game. So I'm calling my friend who's a police officer in Jersey. And he's like, just get on the, the, the fastest flight you can get to New York. He goes, I'll take care of the rest. I got on a flight to New York, he had a police escort waiting for me because nice. I landed at like 5.30 in like LaGuardia and I, it's still like an hour to get to the rink. The game's at seven. I got this police escort. I'm running through the airport with my my bag and, and my sticks and I he gets me to the rink. I don't have credentials, nothing. I'm running up to the, can you imagine a fan running up to the rink? <laughs> yeah, with their seriously, I'm the goalie. <laughs> I swear I'm to God. Up tonight. They're like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, so I get to the door. I get into the dress room as the guys are coming off from warm-up. Ray Ferraro like, goes, hey, uh, thanks, for, thanks for showing up. He goes, oh, yeah. by the way, Steve Weeks has been pulled in his last four games. You might go in tonight. You better be ready. <laughs> I was like just crap in my pants. So back up that night, I get sent to St. John's the next day. I get there. Butch Goring goes, you're playing tomorrow. And that's the story where I get into the net my first night, right? My first night, it's a Tuesday, Thursday, we're playing on the rock and I skate out and there's this stupid mascot bird doing this hex at me. I'm like, what the hell is this guy? So I, I start scraping my crease and the bird is kind of like pushing on me and hexing me. So I kind of just push him out of the way, scrape my crease. No problem. Stand on my head. The first period, I'm feeling good. Second period birds there again. And he's like in my crease doing a dance. And I'm like, all right, it's enough. I push him out of the way. He's pushing me back. It's like a joke. The fans are laughing. Fast forward, the end of the game, I stopped like 37 shots. I'm first star. I come off. Billy Smith is waiting for me in my stall. And he's like staring through me. And he's pissed. And I'm like, hey. He's like, I need to talk to you outside. I'm like, what? And he's like, come outside with me. So I go outside and I think he's going to be like, you know, you're amazing tonight. Like that was awesome. First start. He's like, don't you ever let that fucking bird in your crease again. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm staring at him. I'm like, what? Like I go, I just got first star. He's like, don't, he goes, if that bird is there on Thursday, you run him over. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I just got uh, first star. This, this he is a crash that. Davis. I want you to yeah. start with the bird. I'm like, That's what is right. going on here? So that was the Tuesday night. The Wednesday, we practiced. I'm sitting, I didn't sleep that night. I'm like, this guy's mad at me because there was a bird in my crease. 
And I'm thinking, I God, I hope I don't start Thursday. Like I and I hope I I hope the bird's not there on Thursday. Like that's all I could think about is the stupid bird. But she skates up to me, goes, You're going tomorrow. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't sleep again. I start the game. I give up four right away. Like I should be pulled. They leave me in because I think they want to see how I'm going to deal with the bird. So I skate out <laughs> second period and the bird is like doing the hex. And so I'm like, you know what? The hell with this. I burn 200 feet and I mow that bird over. <laughs> like I have no idea. I have no idea. Like that could be a 14 year old girl. That could be a 78 year old man. Like a senior <laughs> citizen going down. I mow that bird over. The bird is laying in the corner. The crowd goes nuts. And we lose like 7-1. They leave me in the whole night. I come off afterwards. Smitty sitting in my stall again, smiling. He takes me out in the hallway. He's like, that's how you be a man in this league. You get respect. <laughs> I'm like, I just gave up a touchdown. And it's like, doesn't matter. That's how you establish yourself. So there's that's, my Billy Smith story. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for that. That was wonderful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh. Crazy. And uh, sorry for the profanity, but I, the F word was the well F word was in there for Smitty. Like yeah. he, well, he, he told yeah. me. I'd expect Billy nothing Smith. less from me. Expect <laughs> yeah. nothing less. You uh, get into your uh, your first NHL game games, uh, lots of them. A couple of year, your third year into your pro. Tell me about the the first game where you you hit the ice in the national hockey league in the regular season. What was that like? So intimidating, but cool, mm -hmm. like all wrapped up into one. Um, I'd been up and down that year. Hexy was a starter. Um, we had a guy named Tom Draper who was basically a backup at the NHL level, but Hexy had started like 20 in a row, maybe 22 or something. And he was starting to have some back spasms. So I'd been called up a few times previous to that just to back him up and I get called up in early January and I get out on the ice with the team and the goalie coach Bob Froze goes there's a chance you're playing tomorrow he's like oh okay you know and in my mind I'm like well, I don't know man like that am I ready to play like I've been having a pretty good season I showed some maturity I actually I, I believe by my third year the light went on that this is a job and you got to work hard and like work ethic like all of the things that come when we see, we see pros all the time where they just, you know, Dreisaitl turned a corner when yeah. he realized like how good he was. Now I'm not Dreisaitl, but my point is, is we've seen guys uh, mature right in front of your eyes where you're like that guy gets it now. My third year, I felt like I got it as a goalie and I got called up. Al Arbor skates up to me at practice and goes, you're going tomorrow. And it's almost like surreal. You almost blank out. You're like, oh, I'm playing tomorrow. And I, you know, go back to the hotel the night before the game. I'm not lying. I did not sleep one second. I stared at the roof. My mind was going a million miles an hour. Like, I and we're playing Calgary. So flurries on that team, new and Dyke, you know, they get pretty good team. Al McInnes, yeah. you're, you're like, hmm, yeah. how's this going to look? So I, I get the morning skate. I'm exhausted. Like you've, you've played the game over a million times in your head. I get through morning skate. I have a bite to eat and I go back and for some reason I sleep like a baby four hours, like noon, like <laughs> noon to four I sleep and I go to the rink and I'm out there. And the only thing, my first impression of the, the game was, wow, it's so bright out here. 
Like we've all played, you know, Saskatoon yeah. is a really well, well-lit building. That's an NHL building. They turned the TV lights on. The ice just glare, like everything was so bright. And I remember thinking like, oh, the crowd's a little bigger, obviously at the NHL uh, than the minors. But then you're looking and you're like, that's not, you know, that's not Kevin Kaminsky. That's Joel Neuendijk. You know what I mean? You're looking yep. at names and going, oh, that's, you know, that these are real players. And I got scored on about five minutes into the game, a rebound. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I can catch up to this speed. Like everything was moving so fast. And it was almost like you, you just instinct takes over. And I think I, I've said this a million times and I wholeheartedly believe this. We've all, including you two, we've all prepared to play in the NHL since we were five years old. We've envisioned it. We've mentally prepared for it. When we were, you know, when I was Grant Fear, when I was playing road hockey or Mike Leute or whatever, that is your preparation. So it didn't matter what I did in the 24 hours leading up to that game. I'm, I prepared for that game my whole life. And instinct just took over. And I was lucky. Uh, the Flames had played the night before. It was a back-to-back for them. And we ended up winning like 6-2. So I got lots of goal support. Made, made some good saves. Felt comfortable. But I remember just after the game, it was like this big weight off my back. It was like, maybe I can play here. You know, it, it, I don't know, but maybe I can. And then the next night we were playing back to back in Hartford and I was backing Hexy up. Hexy got pulled. Like he went berserk and got pulled. Like, <laughs> it, berserk. It, it, yeah. yeah, it was like, it was like one of these games where like Hartford was buzzing. Jeff Sanderson, that Castles, Verbeek, Castles and Sanderson line was just buzzing. And they were up like three or four, nothing before anything. So I got thrown in. So with, within a 24-hour span, all of a sudden, I'm in two NHL games. And then the Monday night, we played in Ottawa, and they started me. So within, like, I played three games in four nights. And all of a sudden, like, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of oh. in the league. So it was kind of the best situation for me. But I'll never forget, like, the first moment when you're out there, you're like, wow, this is surreal. Like, it, you, it, it's not how you envisioned it sitting on our couches at home growing up, put it that way. Yeah, awesome. for sure. How'd you enjoy your time with the Islanders? Did you enjoy New York? I did. Um, I look back on it. It's almost like it's like your first of, at anything. First girlfriend, first, you know, first time in junior, first job, first. That's what you come to think. That's what you believe is the normal. Like I, I, I got there. Al Arbor was the coach. Legend. Bill Torrey was a general manager. Legend. This is a storied franchise. Like that's Bob yeah. Nystrom walking around. Like there's, you know, Dennis Potvin there. There's Brian Trottier. Mike Bossy's kind of kicking around. You know, you're like, this is like, it is surreal. And then Mike Milbury took over and you're like, this looks different and <laughs> sounds different. And you're like, this is a gong show. And, and it just, we went from, and believe me, I, they gave me an opportunity to be a starter. I, I didn't, I failed uh, at that point, but in that right, like our team, the turnover and the, the players that were coming in and out, it just became crazy for a while there. And then, you know, I moved on to St. Louis, but my time in New York, I loved it. The fans are unbelievable. You guys know, like Oiler yeah. fans are passionate. I live in Toronto, Toronto, Toronto fans are passionate. Islander fans, like in New York, you're either a Ranger fan or an Islander and there's no in between. So <laughs> I'd be at a bar 
Like I'd, I'd be at a bar just having a beer and somebody be like, you play for the Islanders? I'm like, yeah, well, you suck. I'm a Rangers fan. I'm like, all right, <laughs> that's your perverse. And then vice versa, like people are like the Islanders, are like, you're the best. I love you. And so it was, it was really passionate people around to put it that way. I loved it. It's like our Sutter interview, eh, Mooner? Yes. Yeah. Fuck you, Sutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you guys had Brent on, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like it, I, I'm sure Brent yeah. could tell way more stories oh, because he was like a, a star yeah. there. Like, he yeah. scored 50 goals. Yeah, they know? were right yeah. in the heat of that Ranger Islander, oh. you know, the 84 yeah. series. And yeah. Crazy, I, crazy. You got to tell us the story. I don't know how comfortable you are talking about it, but the... 97-98 win the Bill Masterton Trophy. I, yeah. I know you got you got sick before that with the bacterial meningitis. You had to yeah. battle back, so you win the trophy about perseverance, sportsmanship, dedication to hockey. Like, how? Tell me about that story. Like, it, it hit you in Lethbridge. Is that what happened? Yeah, I thought my buddy Joel Dick had poisoned me with. He had made yeah. chicken for dinner. I'm like, you you gave me food poisoning. You're <laughs> killing me here. But what? It, the crazy part about all of this, and especially now being in a pandemic, um, we're hearing the CDC and infectious disease, people are all involved. They had to get involved back then because of my case, because I crossed the border. Oh, so yeah. at the end of the season, I had finished, that season was a gong show. I'd played for the Islanders. I had played for Worcester. I'd played for the Salt Lake City Golden Eagles, I think. And oh, yeah. And my girlfriend was still living in New York. So at the end of the season, went back to New York, uh, two guys, Jason Struddy, you guys know Strudway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Struddy and who I played with in Worcester and a guy named Jason Widmer, who I played in Lethbridge with and, and Whitty mm -hmm. was with um, Worcester as well. They come to New York. We're just going to have some drinks, party, go out and that. So we end up having you know a couple days of fun there. I'm going to head home for the summer but I still have stuff in Salt Lake City. So I've got a vehicle there because I had been sent there for one month early in the season and, and it never recovered it because I got called up and they just, I left my vehicle there. So I went from Worcester to New York to Salt Lake City, I flew there. I had beers with the guys after a game because they were in the playoffs. So that was my old team. So I hung out with those guys, jumped in my car the next day and drove straight to Lethbridge, crossed the border, as I get to Lethbridge, it's dinner time, and I'm out having some beers with uh, Joel and Mike Dick, and I'm not feeling well, but I'm like, man, I've been drunk for a week. I've been kind of all over. I'm like, I, you know, maybe I just, maybe it's catching up with me. So I, um, um, we go home, and I throw up the whole night. And at about like midnight, I say to, to Mike, I'm like, something's not right here. Like, I'm, my muscles are are spasming like i'm not feeling well so i go to the hospital uh they're like you know what it's just there's a bad flu going around go home so i go home i literally threw up every 30 minutes till 7 a.m and i was like so weak and joel's mom joel and mike's mom got up and was like you better go back to the hospital i got back to the hospital and they put me on an iv just to give me some fluids and the doctor goes where did you get this rash from and I, I looked down and there's like blood, blood rash underneath your skin, like not a raised one yep. forming right in front of our eyes. Oh. And he's like, and he's like, you better call your parents. Your, your heart could stop in the next hour. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, so 
you know, they, it's not cell phones or FaceTime. Like yeah. they, they pull the cord over the long cord from the wall. I call my parents and I'm like, Hey, you should fly to Lethbridge. Something's not right here. For the next week I was in ICU. Like I wasn't in a coma or anything, but what they, I just was in and out of consciousness. Like they pumped me so full of fluids. My parents got there the next day and I was high fevers and all of that. Um, I had grown my hair out and was having fevers. And I just remember my mom walking in and going, that's not our son. Cause they had pumped me so <laughs> full of fluids. So I'm like, I must've been like ballooned up and my yeah. hair was everywhere. They're like, who the hell is that guy? And so they were able to treat me right in the hospital because the meningitis attacked me while I was in front of the doctors. So they were able to deal with it. But the crazy part about it was everyone I had been in contact with had to be like contacted by the CDC, by infectious disease. So they, the guys in Salt Lake, the players in Worcester, my, my friends in New York, the people on the plane that I was, they went on through the manifest. Yep. All of those people had to go to the hospital and get these like horse pills or whatever to take for like three days just because of a possible, you know, I guess, exposure to it. Yep. So um, I knew what was wrong, but I was in the hospital. I, I, it attacked my extremities. Like I had to reach, reteach myself to walk all of that, even though I knew how to walk, I just yep. couldn't. And I lost like 30 pounds. And the funniest story about all of this is my, my contract was expiring with the Islanders. So they don't renew it. My agent, Art Breeze, does a great job of uh, going to the doctors. I'm going to have a full recovery. It's just going to take time. And I'll never forget. I get out of the hospital in, in June. And our buddy Mace, who has since yeah. passed, Dale, Dale Masson, <laughs> I go to work out the first day. I'm like 160 pounds. I was like 190, 160. I can't. I can't do two twenty fives on the, like, I can't, I got no muscle and not that I ever did, but I've got no strength, no nothing. And I've become an unrestricted free agent that day. And Mace goes, you think anybody's going to offer you a contract? And I'm like, Oh, thanks for building me up, buddy. Like, <laughs> I just asked you to spot me. Shut the hell up. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you think anybody's going to offer you a contract? Like, and I'm like, I'm hoping, you know, and as I got out of the gym, my agent was calling and I had like several two-way offers, um, not one way, but um, I signed with St. Louis, a two-year deal. Mike Keenan uh, offered me a deal and was awesome about it. And it was just a, it was such a crazy thing. And that whole year I played the minors kind of rebuilding, working my way back. And then the following year I made St. Louis. That's where I got the Masterton where it was, yeah. I kind of used that as like a, uh, a closure. It was closure to win that award, but it was, uh, there were some hairy moments, I'll tell you. But, uh, you know, as you guys know, Mace always kept yeah. it light. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that comment at the gym July 1st. It's like, you think anybody's going to sign you? I'm like, now that I think about it, probably not. No. So who knows? <laughs> not only could he keep it light, he can keep you humble too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you ever thought you were getting a little full of yourself, I mean, oh, Mace yeah. could chop you down pretty quick. Oh, he was the best at that. Oh, he was, for sure. <laughs> so you get, uh, you know, three years in St. Louis, uh, then Minnesota before you went to Calgary. Uh, it looked like a real good run there for you, Jamie. You got lots of games played and really in all those places. Yeah, uh, yeah when you look back at, at that portion of your, of your career, there's got to be a lot of, you know, great memories and some great games under your belt. 
There is, you know, it's, I think the best part about the memories is, you know, everyone asks like, where was your favorite place to play? Like New York was my first, right? And then you go to St. Louis and we were so good. Like there was a, a pocket there where we were like, president won the president's trophy. We didn't have the success in the playoffs, but our team, when your team is just winning consistently, like life is just, you can do anything. You yeah. Know? Like you just, life's the city loves you. You're, you know, I think I was 25 or 26 years old and you know, you're, you're out and you know, you're on, on stage with the band singing, like everything is just like amazing. You're making good money. Like, and then I, I went to an expansion to Minnesota and it was such an eye opener. It's like, okay, I'm going from a first place team to a last place team. Like there's going to be some pain here, but it was a good year. Statistically it stunk, but it, you know, there, there was, you think of all these things and all I could think about now is it's as we, as we get older, like it's a different life. Like I look at me playing in the NHL that, that it's like me watching a movie now like that. Like I, I have a tough time envisioning myself playing in the NHL with the product. Now I'm like, Oh my God. Like, like me facing McDavid last night, he would score 12 in the first period, you know, like I, I I'm, I'm watching some of these goalies nowadays and I'm like, God, they're so good. And, and the game has evolved so much, but it, it's really neat. Like I, obviously you're proud of, proud of your career. And I think I had a long time and, and all of that, but it's just, uh, it's like anything. I, I, I felt like I got better as I got older, but then as you get older, somebody else younger is better and they're chasing you. So you're like, you're, you're at your best kind of near the end of your career mentally, but physically your body's like, ah, I can't do that anymore. So it's, it's like a vicious cycle. What was it like, Jamie, being, um, you know, you grew up in Edmonton, you watched Grand Fear in his heyday, and then your teammates. What, what was that like? Surreal on so many levels. Um, I'll show you guys. Here's that Dairy Queen shooter. You guys remember the yeah. Dairy Queen uh, Yeah, I absolutely remember <laughs> yeah. the Dairy Queen shootout. How old are you oh, there? I think I was 12. I think we were all 12 yeah. when we got yeah. through it. Yeah. Um, you and Grant's here. <laughs> here's he, and I showed him that. Like, we're playing in uh, we're playing in Edmonton one night, and the sun ran that on the front page of the, the sports. I'm like, he's like, who the hell is that? I'm like, that's me. And it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm sitting with him at breakfast. He's like, is that you, chum? I'm like, he calls everyone chum. He's like, that you, chum? I'm like, that's me. You signed that for me. So it was kind of funny. Um um, to this day, I'm still friends with Fierzy. I love him to death. It's weird to play with your idol because you're like, um, you realize they're human. And, and they always say, like, never meet your idol because you'll be disappointed. I'm actually the other way. Like, I was like, getting to meet him, getting to know him, he's a better person than he was a goalie, which is crazy. He's the nicest guy. Um, you know, he's just... The, his personality is just chill. Yeah. I'll never forget like the pressure, you know, he'd be under, we were playing game seven in Phoenix one night in playoffs. And I was the guy who liked to stretch in the trainer's room. And the trainers always had a little thing of popcorn there for me. Cause I always love popcorn. Right. So I'm, I'm stretching and I'm BSing with the trainers and, you know, got my hand in the popcorn and that fears he walks in and I'm kind of like, I always left him alone. We used to chat, but like on game days, you kind of just let people do their thing. And he walks in, he's like, Hey chum, grab some popcorn and sits down. And you know, we're just BS and you know, hour before you go out. And he's like, yeah, should be a fun one tonight. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> if I were you, I would be 
coming out of my skin. Like I'd be so nervous. I'd be staring at my gear for two hours. Like are these, this gear going to make any saves instead? Like he's just like so chill. And I, I think I, I've, I've told this story before. It wasn't game seven, but I think it was game five. We were in trouble. We we're, we we're down three, one in that series. He never said a word ever during the games, nothing before the game. He stood up and was like, guys, I just need one tonight. Get me one goal. And we're all like, what? What did he just say? He basically called a shot. We won one nothing that night. Wow. And it was like, you want to talk about people that just, like, they come into a room and you're like, that, that's a goalie. Like, that yeah. is, that's a god. And, you know, fast forward to, you know, developing a friendship, sitting on the plane after a game. Prongs and I, Pronger and I always used to sit uh, together in the plane. And then Fierzy sat behind us and the three of us would just BS. You get on a long flight and a rum cause you pour a rum. I'd be like, Fierzy, tell me about the eighties. Tell me about winning the cup. And he would tell the, the best stories about, you know, them winning and in the dressing room and what Gretz said. And, you know, he's, he's telling stories of our childhood. Like, and yeah. I'm just like, I'm hanging on every word because it's, you know, it's, it's never as it seems, but you know, he's like, yeah, well, Gretz, yeah, I know Gretz was having a time and he just stood up and said this or mess did this. And I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, like it, it's surreal. So the time I spent with Grant was amazing. Like I grew as a, as a goalie, but I think he helped me mentally too, where he understood what it took to play that night. And it took me a long time to realize that. And I think that's part of the maturation process of, of young players and playing with him and watching him every day. It just, it helped me in so many different levels. His, uh, it wasn't his biggest complaint on game day was that he couldn't get two rounds of golf. in. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly play, believe that too. Like, he, that night. like yeah. morning skate, he used to, he used to have this thing called the grandfather clock. So he, I'd be like, how are you feeling this morning? He'd be like grandfather clock. So he, he would just stand there and bat pucks out of the air. Like he, he wouldn't go down. He wouldn't make a say like yeah. he, his, his hand-eye coordination was ridiculous. So guys would come down the wall, just bat it out of the air. Snap. So he would just stand there and wave his stick. That's how he made saves in the morning. The grandfather <laughs> clock it was awesome. Uh, it was so good. I remember the paper running once the, these are the top five Edmonton Oilers to interview. And, and I can't remember the first three players, you know, Gretzky, Messier, what have you. Number four, the entire team. Number five, Grant Fury. <laughs> yeah. Fury would be number 499 on that list. And a dead person would be 500. Like <laughs> Fury, he's so laid back. We've had him on our shows. People are like, why bother? Like it's one word answers. It's, and it's, it's not, he doesn't do that to be a jerk. That's just him. No. Like, I, yeah. He, I don't know if you saw his movie, that making Coco. Yeah. I went. Yeah, I so did. I, uh, the premiere in Toronto, I went and, and met him and his wife and we had some drinks and hung out afterwards. He's just so cool, but he's so chill. Like you, you could sit and I've, I've actually seen him since, um, a, well, about a year and a half ago when Vancouver Giants were playing, I flew out there and Fierzy was the guest dropping a puck. So I happened to be at the game and we had a few drinks that night. It was just, it's so amazing to catch up with him but it's not like this engrossing conversation. He's just so chill that yeah. you just, you talk and exchange stories. 
he's such a great guy, but yeah, not the, not the best interview. I'll tell you that. So Jamie, we, we, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that fun little fact that if you came out of retirement today, you'd, you'd still be suspended. Tell, yeah. tell us about yeah. that last game, James. Uh, you know what? It, it, it's not as egregious as people think, but I'll just be transparent on it is we're playing Detroit. And as you know, Detroit was a team that had team toughness, but they didn't fight. They were, they were as hard as anybody to play against, but they were always setting picks and they were, they were sneaky dirty. And I mean that with a, a ton of respect. Yeah. Um, but Thomas Holmstrom, uh, Johan Franzen accidentally on purpose, always chipping away at Kipper and, Oh, I fell here. And I did. And that whole series, they were just abusing Kipper. And I remember that game, I think it was game five. Uh, they were all over us. They were beating us pretty good. I think it was at the time four, nothing or five, one something. And I, I was never going to be a factor in that series, but I remember thinking to myself and especially the temperature on the bench because Jerome was fired up. Like Jerome was trying to get a piece of Matthew Schneider. Damon Lankow had gone after Brett Lebda, which he thought Lebda had taken out, tried to take his knee out. Like there was some dirty stuff going on out there from both sides. It wasn't just them and it wasn't just us. So I was sitting on the bench and kind of just internally kind of heating up a little bit. I never anticipated going in, but with about five minutes left in the game, they made it like five one and the game was starting to get out of hand. Like you could see them running Kipper. Yeah. Iggy was chasing people around and out of nowhere, Jimmy Playfair goes noodles, get in there and mop this up. Like he didn't say he, I, and I swear on my life on my kids, like he never once sent me in to do anything. I went in and I thought to myself, if I could start something, and our team, we had some pretty tough guys on our team. If our team could send a message and get, you know, if Iggy could get a hold of one of them and kind of change the trajectory of the series, that's what my objective was. So I got in there right away. I, I'm chopping away at France and he accidentally on purpose gives me a little whack, like, oh, I fell over and gives me a whack here. And I'm going at him, like I'm saying F you and, and the puck gets rung around. I'm already getting two minutes for slashing. Cause I had slashed, I was slashing him on the side of the leg. I go and stop the puck behind the net and he's skating towards me. And I swear on my life, I thought he was going to knock me out. Like if you guys, like this yep. guy's a, a, he's a his horse. nickname's the mule. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. huge. Like I'd st if he decided he wanted to beat me up, I'd still be laying there. So as he's coming towards me, I think, okay, here it is. Cause he's going to punch me and it's, it's all going to start. And as he gets close, I choke up on my stick and I slash him. And it looks like optically, it's awful. Now, I remember I hit him just on the high pant, kind of on the right, uh, his right hip. But he drops like he was shot. And I, I, I don't even know if my heartbeat was like above 70 because I had just gotten into the game. And for him to drop in front of me, if you actually look, the linesman grabs me and skates me over. And I'm just like, what just happened here? I, I thought I was going to engage into a fight and get, get it going. Instead, I slash him stupidly. He goes down and it's like, now, now I'm in trouble. So I get skated off. I last 18 seconds. Kipper barely got his mask off. He's got to go back in. <laughs> I'm sitting there after the game and I don't speak because our PR guy's like, you know, you're probably going to get a call from the league. Like you got a major, you got a game misconduct. So he's like, 
we're not going to put you out there until we figure this out. The crazy part about that is that was a Saturday afternoon in Detroit. The Sunday game was in Calgary. Like it was a back to back for some reason. So we flew back on the plane. Um, you know, by the time we landed back in Calgary, it was like six o'clock. Cause it was, it was an afternoon game in Detroit. We gained a bunch of time going back. So Daryl calls me that night and he goes, you have a hearing at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, be in my office. And I'm like, all right, you think I'm going to get suspended? He goes, I don't know. He goes, I don't think it was that big of a deal, but he goes, you're probably going to get something. And I was like, okay. So I'm at the, the rink the next morning. I get there early. I'm, my agent has to be on the call. The NH, somebody from the NHLPA to represent you. Like it was a, it's a big thing. Right. And so it's funny. Daryl goes, don't say a word. I'll do the speaking. So, you know, they come on, Colin Campbell's on there and, and NHLPA, everyone's like, you know, I'm present, I'm present. And out of nowhere, Daryl goes, why is everyone wasting my time? And, and he starts yelling and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, this is a love tap. Like, he's like, he hit him on the pants. Like, you know, he goes, if that was Brad Stewart, uh, that would have been a two minute penalty. Like, why are we wasting time on this? So we go through the whole thing and I, just, I don't say a word. Um, I go back to the dressing room. I can practice. And then about after practice, Rich Preston comes down. He goes, you got five games. And uh, I think there was like a fine attached to it too, like 150 grand, something ridiculous. Yeah. And Jimmy Playfair, our coach got fined for it too. Cause they thought he sent him out, sent me out. And I didn't, he didn't send me out. So I was like, so embarrassed on so many levels. Like that was a national NBC game. So you're trying to grow the game in the States and you've got this idiot that goes in and <laughs> does that, you know, I embarrassed the team. It was easy to throw the book at me because the game got greasy. Again, look, could have gotten some trouble. Lankel could have gotten some trouble. Lebed on the other side. could. But it's like, there's, there's the guy, you know, the guy who played 18 seconds that's going to have no factor on this and did the stupidest thing. So I served the next night. And miraculously, here's the crazy part about him. We lost in overtime the next night. Guess who scored the overtime winner? <laughs> the guy yeah. who was laying on the ice. Yeah, Johan yeah. <laughs> Franzen got the last laugh. So fast forward years later, I've talked to him since. First and foremost, I sent over an apology right away. That's just not in my nature. Um, but... I needed to know, I needed him to know that I felt bad about it. And then I've talked to him a couple times since. And I, he asked me, he's like, what were you thinking that night? I was like, dude, I was just trying to start a fight. And then I said to him, like, did I hurt you? And he, you know what he said to me? He goes, you surprised me. I'm like, yeah, yeah I surprised you, but you weren't hurt. Like I never hit you. Like he, I hit him on the pant, but I always tell people I take full responsibility. I served the one game. I've never played the NHL again. So I owe the league four games. They're never going to get them from me because I'm almost 50 and can barely touch my toes. So it is what it is. <laughs> hey, you never know, Jamie, if you're, if you're in the rink and emergency backup uh, goalie talk happens, <laughs> it's so funny. I've had a few managers say like, yeah. you know, we would like to like, they, I've had a few general managers. I'm not lying. Say they've talked to the league to see if they could like, grandfather my suspension out and I could be an emergency e-bug if, if they ever yeah. needed it. And they asked like, what was my temperature on that? I'm like, I don't want to go in the net. Like imagine oh, like having, I wouldn't want to be an e-bug uh, goaltender and go yeah. in and Mooner, I, you get rinsed every night to Rogers place. No Mooner, chance, not Mooner. for any amount of money. 
No, uh, I'm done. No. I threw my threw my pads in the river. The only yeah. reason I have hockey stuff here is it's for display for my show. Nice. That's it. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, James, tell us a bit about you know towards the end of the career, you know, trading the skates for the suits. What yeah. what was going like? You're you're killing it in a media career now, but it didn't it didn't start right away. Like, what did that transition look like for you? Well, I. Daryl, I had a close relationship with Daryl Sutter. So he always told me the minute that I retire, um, you've got a job with the Flames. So I went to Russia. That was a disaster. Japan uh, was amazing. I went and retired with Joel Dick. Like Joel was playing over yep. there. So my close friend and uh, Tyson Nash and I went. So I decided to retire. And I literally start with the Flames the next day in player development, scouting, basically anything that Daryl wanted, I kind of answered to him. So I lived in St. Albert. I was driving to Calgary almost every day and just whatever was needed. By the end of that season, my first year out, Mike Keenan added me to his coaching staff because he wanted me to be around Kipper and him and Kipper had had a few bumps in the road. So I was going to be kind of a buffer. And next year, Daryl makes me an associate coach, which is basically goalie coach. And I did that for two years. And I loved it, but I also hated it. And I don't know how you guys feel about it, but like you guys interact with coaches all the time. Like it's, it's the most thankless job ever. Like those guys live, they're 18 hours at the rink. It's like being a parent. I've got two kids that are, you know, young idiots and I love them to death, but like you, you, you send them out, like, don't touch the stove. They go and touch the stove. Like, you know, (laughs) my three-year-old will do anything. We watched the tapes yesterday. Weren't you listening? Being a coach is exactly like that. Being a coach, like you would say, I would work three hours on video and go, you know, this is the pre-scout on this. This is that. And you'd walk in and go, here, take a look at, no, I don't want anything today. Okay. Like you're like, or vice versa is like, give me this, give me the breakdown on that. Like there was just so many things. You could have the greatest day of your life as a coach. And then you get to the rink and your team loses 7-1. And then the owner comes busting through the door going, what the hell's going on here? And you're not going home. you got to do this. And like, it was just, you never felt like you had control of the situation. Now, great coaches, they have the ability to kind of, you know, wash that away. And they, yeah. they have so much experience. It was, I'll tell you, I worked with Brent. And Brent was great. And yeah. Ryan McGill and Rob Cookson. And I'm still friends with all of the coaches that I worked with in Calgary. But we, we kind of all ended up, I think, which is best in our wheelhouse. Brent is back in Red Deer. He's great at, you know, being an owner and a coach and GM and all of that. Um, you know, all the other coaches are assistant coaches in the NHL and I'm in media. So it was, it was kind of like, so I, they, I didn't get my contract renewed um, after the second year, but they offered me a job in player development. And I said, can you just give me a week to think about it? Cause I would, I was going to go back into traveling and, and that same day that it got announced, my contract wasn't picked up. TSN emailed me and said, would you be interested in trying out the panel? So I had to get the, the flames. Okay. Because I was still under contract. I flew to Toronto that weekend. It was on the panel with Duffy and I think it was McKenzie and Mac T yeah. Craig McTavish. And, you know, I, I, I probably would look back on it. I, I have no idea. I'm sure I was super raw and chewed my tongue off, but I think they thought I, I, there was something there. So I did it a few times. And then uh, I said to them, if you want me to get good at this, you've got to give me reps. So TSN was starting a radio station. They put me on the radio station. They put me on 
a show called That's Hockey with Gino Retta. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden you just kind of grow and get your reps and Mooner, you guys know, you like, yeah. it's just, it, it is what it is, but that's 10 years later. Like nice. I think this, I'm coming up on my 10th year here with, with TSN. So it's good. You know, I'm that's enjoying awesome. it. You talk about Jamie, like the, the coaching, you know, everyone sees the, the game time and the coach time, but that not those 18 hours. What's oh. it look like in your world? You know, we, we see you on TV, we hear you. What, what are you doing behind the scenes and in, in getting prepped for the work? Well, a lot of it is, um, you know, you get sports scan in the morning. So it's, it's, uh, reading all the articles of every team because you, you can't just, I know people think we're Toronto focused cause I live in Toronto, but like I call games, I'm constantly doing research on other teams. Yep. You know, the other night I watched Buffalo and New Jersey from start to finish. I don't know any sane individual that would do that right now, given where those teams are. But I, I had I have to know where these teams are and who I like on those teams and what systems they're playing. So I just yep. you're constantly talking to people, um, you know, coaches and players and, and getting a pulse of what's going on. It's it's it, the research never stops. And you're it, it's not like, I, OK, at nine o'clock, I start my research and not. But it's like we've been sitting here for an hour. I've gotten like four texts from. You know, people going, hey, can you are you available to do this or can you do this radio interview? You can. So I've got my my set radio hits throughout Canada. I've got my set shows yep. and then I set my schedule like on that's hockey. I get a monthly schedule, my color schedule get the start of the year. I'm on the show Overdrive, which is Monday to Friday from four to seven, which is radio and TV and then Sports Center nights like I did last night. Um, I do about six to eight a month of those. So there's, there's, there's so much, but you get a lot of reps in. in. Yeah. You it's do. busy. You're, you're, it's busy, but you're constantly in touch with people. Yeah. And, you know, I always, I love learning. So I was texting with an analytics guy this morning going, I need, you know, give me, give me some information on, you know, goals saved above average right now. Cause Demko's playing really well compared to, you know, Frederick Anderson, but what do they look like? So you're, you're, you're talking to people, you get their insight. Uh, and I like to put my own filter on everything. Like if somebody gives me a good nugget, I either agree with it. If I disagree with it, I try and figure out why and, okay. and give that information. So I don't listen to radio during the day or anything. Cause I don't want anybody to shape my opinion. My opinion oh, okay. is going to be me at four o'clock. So um, it, it's, it's kind of neat, but I, yeah. that's, that's my days. And I obviously being at home, I've got kids, I got to lock the door or else my three-year-old will come bombing in every five <laughs> seconds trying to put my masks on. So yeah. it's what, good, but I, what I was enjoy that it. two years ago, three years ago, we were all laughing about that British uh, guy's kids storming in. And, and now that's everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone yeah. on the planet. Everyone is, like trying to get, get away, get away. That. Uh, the, uh, um, I, I'm totally interested, Jamie. You're you're a published author. You know the best seat yeah. in the house. Tell tell yeah. us how that book came to be, and and just some of your thoughts after the fact uh, on it, on doing the book. You know the book was cool. Uh, if I had to go through the process, which I've been offered, I know I I think I've got an option with Harper Collins for one more, and my my agent keeps harassing me to do it. Um, the the book really came about during the lockout and you have some time, I put some stories into my computer. I, you know, it, it's almost like a, a podcast of myself. I just started telling yep. stories The, you know, the Billy Smith story and, you know, Daryl Sutter and all these stories. And then Ian Mendez broke it down and 
we put it into a book. Um, at the time, as you guys know, Mace had passed away, our, our good buddy, Dale Masson, and I wanted something to, you know, maybe help with a little bit of income stream for Tanya and the kids. And uh, not that it has generated a ton, but it, it's any, any little bit something. helps. Yep. And, you know, I wanted to dedicate it to him and that type of stuff. So it was, um, it was a great process, um, eye-opening, because, you know, my language is different than, you know, somebody with a trained, you know, like an editor's language. Yeah. So I'd be like, oh, I felt like a goat that night. And, and, and then somebody would, you know, I'd get a note going, why did you feel like a goat? I don't understand. You know, like, is that metaphoric? Like, I'm like, no, like, you know, a goat, like the goat horns. Like Great. I was in greatest of all time. Night. Come on. You know, yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're arguing with the editor, you know, they're like, I, that doesn't sound right. I'm like, that's how I talk. That's how people who know yeah. me will understand this. So there was a few bumps in the road, but looking back on it, I think the book did, I, I don't know, it was a Canadian bestseller, but I don't, I think you, the, it's very low numbers to reach a bestseller, I think in Canada anyways, but yeah. um, it did well. And, you know, every couple of months. awesome thing get, to have though, right? Yep. It is, it is. Yeah. Although looking back on the stories, uh, you know, full transparency, I had to, change it's what is that when you when you're um when you're watching a movie it's like the names and and places have been changed to protect the innocent or yes. whatever. <laughs> yeah i had to do a lot of that for the book because we all would know, have to we yeah. all would there is no nobody was getting thrown under the bus you know the, <laughs> except the gene truth, simmons <laughs> yeah exactly but he was yeah. an idiot but but the, the truth amount the truth is um you know, that was the one thing I said, like, if, if the story was about something else or somebody else, I'd put myself in that spot instead of the other person. And yeah. I just never wanted anybody to pick up a book and go, what the hell? Like, why are you sewering me or whatever? I just wanted the stories to be funny and have fun and have a laugh. And outside of that, like, you know, as we know, the world is so sensitive right now. You'd never want to press the wrong button, you know, based on something you believe was innocent. So yeah. I was, uh, very mindful of that or tried to be anyways. Right on. That was a great, that was a great read. I thought it was a great read. I I'd laugh with my buddies because I say this and it's, I'm taking a shot at myself, but like, it's, it's a great read when you're taking a dump type of thing. Cause it's an easy read. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like it's, an it's easy like, read. Yep. it's like a three dump read. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you can get through it. And <laughs> like just, you know, you leave it in there, you pick it up, you yeah. read a couple of chapters and you move on. Like that's, yeah. that's how I always felt that book yeah. was going to be. So <laughs> that was the book. I, I'm on the 28 uh, dump. I'm still yeah, not finished. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Real page exactly. turner. This one. <laughs> yeah. It's an easy read. Put it that uh, way. Yeah. So. Any uh, any any projects on the go, James? Like ne next few years here, what what's uh, going on in or outside the world of TSN? Well, I mean, honestly, you're just trying to like catch up. Like for me, as you guys know, the pandemic either slowed people's lives down or it sped them up based on you know the business that you're in. Right now, um, it it hasn't kept mine status quo. If anything, like we're more accessible. Like you know, I just got a text uh, a few minutes ago. Can you do a sports center hit at three o'clock today? Because we want to talk about that Demko or whatever. Like they know we're sitting at home and they know we've got it fully equipment. available. So there's no yeah. like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in Florida today. Like, it's not like that. Like you're, you're accessible. So 
I think the biggest thing is uh, I've got a great boss on the radio side who said like, you have to create time for yourself or the new cycle will consume you. So there's always going to be something. So, uh, you know, I, I booked a, a place to rent this summer in Kelowna. Nice. Uh, we mm-hmm. love Kelowna. My wife and I always go to Italy every summer. Well, we haven't been able to do that last summer. We won't this summer. So we want to get out West and, you know, we're going to go to Kelowna for a bit. We're going to come to Edmonton to visit my family and stuff. And uh, with the kids, my mom obviously just got her first shot of vaccine the other day. So it's, you know, we're hoping everyone can be fully vaccinated so that life can look somewhat normal. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping by August, that's when we're planning these trips. But, you know, I, I, other than that, as far as projects, like um, I love, I kind of love the wheelhouse that I have right now. Like I, I like radio and TV because it's, as you guys can know, you just on radio, you can talk forever. If you have a point, it'll take you five minutes to get to that point. You can still get there and you got nothing but time to do it, right? TV, they're like, okay, yeah, it's tight. 30 seconds, they're counting in, <laughs> producers like rap, let's go. So uh, I, I enjoy kind of both of yeah. them. Um, color is, I love, it's my passion because you feel like you're in the game. Like yeah. you're in the game. And well, you get to analyze. Yeah. It's like, yeah. there is, there is no like BS. It is like, this is what I saw. This is my instinct. This is, and it's live TV. Like it's, it, it if you screw up, they don't go, okay, we're going to retape that. It's like, nope. you keep going, like fight through. So I, I love the rush of doing live TV because it's like, okay, bring some energy, bring, you know, bring it home to people. Like you're in the entertainment business. So I, I, I love that. And I hope I can do, I mean, you know, I've got a, I, I've signed with TSN for a while. So I'm, I'm, nice. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, to stay with them as long as I can, but uh, you know, ultimately uh, that's kind of what's in the wheelhouse right now. There's nothing that's changing too much in my foreseeable future, hopefully. Awesome. You know? Well, buddy, you've had the gift of the gab for a long, long time. I, <laughs> we, we, you and I, we went to elementary school together. I, on, I got memories yeah. of us sitting in the lunchroom and and Jamie making pretend prank phone calls and and oh, entertaining gosh. us for the entire lunch hour. Can you imagine the three of us, uh, you know, back in the day, if we knew what we were going to do now, it's probably oh. projects to what we, you know, we all were. <laughs> those those idiot times when we were you know you were just practicing you're getting your reps in (laughs) we were just practicing for what we do now pretty much oh awesome well everyone jamie mclennan noodles old friend thanks buddy for for joining us on the top cheddar podcast uh this was (laughs) this is fun i can't wait we got to do another one like from when i'm in edmonton like an outdoor location over beers like like beers oh we just kind of chill Noodles, we got we got plans for the uh, call it the the little bit of the top cheddar uh, uh, hot stove type, uh, just having some fun and and uh, yeah, it's it's on our it's on our vision board, yeah, eh, Mooner? Like we're we're gonna board. make this happen. Okay, I want the invite, and I want like you know an outdoor like a top cheddar unplugged over beers or something like okay. that. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, and, the, and I, this I is our part that. of the podcast, yeah. Mooner, where we where we hint to our future beer sponsor that now would be a really good time to step up. This, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you he knows who he is. With, yeah. And you want on board with this because this yeah. is going to, this is going to be good. Yes. This believe is, me, yeah. because this was just, this was like the top cheddar light that we're still, yeah. even though we swore a couple of times, yeah. 
You want you Top want cheddar after hours. Yes, you want after hours. You want the story after four vodkas and three beers. Uh, the real story of what happened. Yeah. You know yeah. of what I of what Bob Lauks really said to me. That's what right. I said to him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right on. Great one, eh, Mooner? Right, yeah, awesome, Jamie. The best. I knew it was okay. going to be great. Absolutely knew it. Yep. Yeah, no Folks, worries, if, guys. If, if you haven't yet, head to topcheddar.ca. Uh, you can find us on all those podcast platforms. Be sure to give us a, a little like and a review if you can. And uh, thanks for joining us this week. That was super fun. Thanks, 